Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Please join me in welcoming this evening's guest moderator, creative director, and producer, Kinvara Balfour. My name is Kinvara Balfour, and um, I am really excited about tonight. I really respect the person that we're going to be talking to, and I'm sure that you all do too. She is editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine. She's artistic director of Condé Nast. Before we welcome her on stage, let's take a look at the latest issue of Vogue, or rather its wonderful cover star, Lena Dunham, and a very wonderful gentleman with whom Anna has worked for many years. What's happening? Can you talk right now? I'm just, I'm feeling a little nervous about tomorrow. Uh, well, I'm in the middle of a dinner party, but uh, what's happening tomorrow? Uh, the cover shoot is happening tomorrow and I don't know how to pose. Okay, okay, I'm going to be right over. Keep calm. See you soon. A toot. Thank God. See, children, how can I make this easier for you? Tell me what you've been looking at, darling. Tell me what you've been looking at for inspiration. You know, like the usual stuff. Candidates of Anna Nicole Smith, an image of Alicia Cuthbert from Complex Men, and a Maxim cover from Pakistan. Okay, we're gonna take it from the top, we're gonna look back at the legends, and we're gonna find you a pose. You're gonna trust me, right? I do trust you. Follow me. Okay. Um... You know what, we could do, we could do Lake Kate, romantic, Mario Testino, dreamy, ethereal. Mm-hmm. Or we could do early Naomi, channeling Josephine Baker, working those bananas. And do you want robot arms? Or do you want <laughs> no, no, I keep the arms dead straight. We could do Cindy, who's like crazy athletic Amazon. Feel the core, feel the core. Wow. What about Twiggy? Like pigeon-toed, goofy. That, I think you're really nailing. That is good. I think I'm really starting to get this. I think we're ready to take this from the top with Kate, Naomi, Cindy, Twiggy, Kate, Naomi, Cindy, Twiggy, Edie, 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 Shalom, Shalom it out. And into Dovima. Dovima with an umbrella. Toto with a doorway. Lisa with a fan. And Twiggy Improv. And into Varushka Hieroglyph. Lauren Hutton. Cindy in a bathing suit. I think we need to pick up the beat. Can we? Let's go into 80s Cindy. Hands in pockets and Giselle, Giselle, Giselle. Into Hey Naomi. 
Sending Boogie, Beady, Beady, Barushka, Lauren Hutton, Manic Linda, Manic Linda, and the grand finale. gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Anna Winter. Welcome. Good welcome. evening. That's just a normal day at the office at Vogue. That looks like fun. I think we can all safely say that we're, we, we could all do with a Hamish in our lives. In fact, I was at home in my pyjamas last night. I probably should have called him before today. Yeah, he would have been right over. <laughs> So I want to ask you about that amazing film. It's part of the Vogue original short series, which you've now got on Vogue.com. How did it come about? Because it's brilliant and it's had a huge viral success. Yes, no, it's been one of our most successful films. I mean, well, obviously it helps to have Lena Dunham and Hamish Bowles, but it was the uh, brilliant idea of Sally Singer, our creative director for digital. And she had seen a film uh, about the artist John Baldessari. I think the name of the company that made it was Supermarsh. And they uh, happened to be friends of Lena. And of course, Lena and Hamish had been on many dates together, including um, the Met Ball. So they had a wonderful uh, relationship. And um, I mean, what I took away from that film is that they were just both having a great time. Um, so the Vogue original short series, that's something that you're bringing. We're going to talk a little bit about your digital world in a second but the Vogue original shorts is a series of short films that you've commissioned specially for Vogue.com yes that's right and what and what's that actually for I mean there's one with Jessica Chastain Kate Blanchett Kate Winslet they're fantastic I urge everyone to watch them and I think that they um they're really they're very kind of different from what you'd expect probably from from Vogue but yes, it's, it's a new direction it really is and I think that you know we started off with incredibly boring films that just you know were behind the scenes and isn't her makeup wonderful and isn't this a pretty dress and uh, I think probably everyone was just as bored as I was watching them. And then when Sally Sally joined us, she came up with this um, wonderful idea of doing original shorts and really having, uh, you know, t you know, looking at what we do with a sense of humor. And uh, fortunately, we've been lucky enough to work with the kind of actresses like Kate and Lena. Uh, and Jessica and others um, that are not frightened to make fun of themselves and, and enjoy it. And they're also very intelligent and um, sophisticated. And uh, we're building up a wonderful library with many more to come. I want to ask you quickly about your plans because you've, with digital, because you've taken, you've been at a time when, when you've really had to take print through to digital. When you've got something like Vogue.com and you have to build a digital platform, which you've done, 
where does that end for you and what challenges does that, that, do that come with that? Well, I think nobody knows where it ends. I mean, that's the, the wonderful thing about the digital universe, that it's changing uh, every second. And you know, as far as uh, journalists are concerned, I think what's amazing about the world that we all work in today is that we just have so many different avenues to, to reach our readers, whether it's through a digital edition or through one of Sally's brilliant videos or through the print magazine or through mobile. And I think what we've you know, certainly been learning over the last decade is that every platform requires different content. Whereas I think at the beginning we were quite naive and thought we could just put the magazine on the website and that was enough, but obviously not at all. I mean, the website has to be like a Twitter feed. It has to be immediate and instant and full of information to make people come back to it as often as po you possibly can. But it's such a, an extraordinary world of journalism that we're so lucky to, to work in today. And you know, each day brings new challenges and new people who uh, think differently. I mean, I, you all know far more about this world than I do. And my, the, what I really try and do is surround myself with people who really understand it and can help me through it and get wonderful results like the video you just saw. I'm wondering as well if when you've got just a print edition, there's, you're so limited with who you can feature and who you can work with because there's a limited number of pages, whereas with digital, you can possibly work with more and support more designers and feature more new faces and maybe it's, it's actually quite freeing or is actually very challenging. I mean, have you doubled, have you had to double staff if you're not replicating content? No, we have a separate, we have, obviously we have a separate staff on Vogue.com and I actually like the rigor of the printed page and I like the rigor of having to edit and really select what you put into the magazine. I think too much choice sometimes is, uh, is actually overwhelming and I you know, urge Sally and her team to really edit very thoroughly on the, on the web as well. I, I, I think you can get inundated with information and I, I like to think that people come to Vogue, whether it's our website or our print or digital, because it is an edited product. It is an edited, uh, thoughtful magazine and, and website. And we, you know, we're not trying to be everything to everybody. And you're presumably reading the magazine on, in both in your hands and on your iPad, I'm sure, in equal measure a lot. Talking about uh, the magazine, let's talk a little bit about some of your most memorable covers. Um, take me through your first one. Well, the, the first one, the, the uh, Christian Lacroix t-shirt and, and blue jeans, I actually, um, that was not shot as a cover. That was my very first uh, cover for Vogue 100 million years ago. And uh, actually, when we sent that to the printers, they, they called me up and asked if, if it was a mistake because they couldn't imagine that something as... Um, not quite so perfect could be on the cover of Vogue and that it remains uh, really one of my most favorite covers and uh, an iconic cover that I think is known by so many designers and so many people and I actually received the most uh, charming letter from uh, the girl on the cover who's now a child psychiatrist Great. Uh, with six children saying um, she would never forget that cover and um, can you remember who the jeans were actually by from on that shoot uh, yes not? I can guess okay and then the Michelle Obama yes that, uh, that was shot uh, right before uh, President Obama took office uh, they were in a holding pen across the across the uh, road from the White House, and Annie Leibovitz, 
uh, went down with Tony Goodman to shoot that cover and uh, Mrs. Obama was an absolute pleasure to work with but was extremely um, sure on what she wanted to wear and how she wanted to look as she still is and I, I think that really this is uh, one of the covers that I'm most, most proud of. Thank you. They're all great. And I'd just like to say on that that I've, I'm obsessed with the Vogue archives, which on your website you can go back to the first ever cover of Vogue and all those that precede it. And that it's absolutely fantastic that someone actually went to the trouble to go and do that because I know that so many magazines are sitting in old libraries and people don't have access to them. And they're such a sign of the times that if you're at your computer and you look at the first edition of Vogue and you look at what it represented through the times, through these and up to Lena, it's, it's a fascinating history lesson. And I think it's so brilliant that Vogue actually went to the trouble of doing it. Well, thank you. I mean, it took two years to scan uh, all the magazines. For some reason, um, it, it was done somewhere very strange. I can't remember exactly. It, it might have been... Uh, Thailand, but it, 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 they went somewhere very odd and disappeared for two years. But and there were some um, issues that were so rare that we only had one or two copies, and we had to send uh, uh, people out there to, to to watch over those issues as they were scanned. But it is an incredible resource, uh, and I really think if you if you look back over our 125 years. I mean, you can really read the history of women within the pages of the magazine. I want to talk now about the Fashion Fund, which is currently airing on Ovation. It's on tonight. And this is a show uh, that really, really shows you in, in, in what you do with the CFDAs. I just want to really, really commend you on the fact that you've actually got some professional fashion designers on the television. Because it's not as easy as, as, as people think, and it's really, really refreshing to see the pros on TV. So before we talk about that, we're going to take a little clip, uh, take a look at a clip of the Fashion Fund on Ovation. Here's a sneak peek at the new Ovation original series, The Fashion Fund. This season on The Fashion Fund... Five minutes! Every year, hundreds of young American designers apply for the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund. Winning the CFDA award is like winning an Oscar. Anna Winter from Vogue, Diane von Furstenberg. Those people can make your career. We want to support designers that are going to be the future of American fashion. The quality of the designers that have come out of that fund is incredible. Every major designer in the last 10 years has gone through this program. We really do get to know them over the, the course of the months. And at the end, there is a cash prize given to the winner and the two runners-up. Plus, we work very closely with the winners to find a mentor that will guide them for the next year. First you make a presentation, then you have an interview. They each get 15 minutes, literally 15 minutes with a timer. The clock is ticking. We basically interrogate them. It's a high pressure moment. When you're sitting in front of Anna Wintour and Diane von Furstenberg, he wasn't nervous to be something wrong. 10 designers. Right now, this is our moment. Four months. What's the time frame? It all comes out at you pretty quick. One winner. Get ready, because it's a hell of a ride. Who will be America's next great designer? You never know who's going to surprise you. This is the Fashion Fund. I, 
I, I've been glued. I've been glued. I just want to ask you, uh, tell us a little bit about the CFDA and your involvement. What, what is the Fashion Fund specifically? Well, um, I realised how unbelievably hand-to-mouth the existence was of all these young designers in New York. And I also realised that, that, that a lot of the emphasis in New York fashion, very understandably, had been on the great giants of fashion in New York, you know, the Ralph Lawrence, the Donna Karens. Uh, of which Cal there are many. Calvin I mean, there Klein. are an incredible but, number here. But the young generation yeah. was not really being recognized. So we put together this fashion fund with the support of many great industry leaders. And uh, it's now been in existence uh, 11, 12 years. And out of the fund has come really the next generation of American fashion, starting with our very first winner, which was uh, Jack and Lazaro from Proenza Schuler. But if you look at the landscape of the New York Fashion Week, that, you know, starting tomorrow, you will see that uh, really all the bright young lights there have come through the fund. And it's, it's, a, it's an initiative that everybody within the industry is involved with, whether it's through um, financial support or through mentoring or... Uh, an advisory committee that we've set up to help businesses. And it's not something that we take lightly. No, uh, the, TV, the, the show really shows that, I yes. have to say. You know, it a, really a, shows what, what hard work and dedication fashion actually takes and how much people are willing to put in. Specifically, you, I mean, the committee that with you, with Diane and all the people, Jenna Lyons, you look and you think these, these people are really giving their time and really giving their energy to something that they really believe in. And it's it's not know, just a game show. No, it's not just a game show. It's not just a dinner. It's, you know, six, six nine months of getting to know these young people and interviewing them and, and finding, uh, finding out what their hopes and dreams are, what their talents are. And, and really, it's very difficult at, at the end of the process often for us to choose the winners. And um, what's great about it is that we keep in touch with all the 10 finalists and that we follow them throughout their careers and we try and help them in whichever way we come. And, and what's very touching and, and very rewarding to me is at the dinner every year when we give out the three awards, all our past finalists from the, you know, the 12 years come and, and it's, it's a fantastic sense of family and community and people really wanting to help each other. And all those finalists are mega names on the Fashion Week calendar now. And, and I think that's a lot to do with you. Well, it's, a, it's a totally a community effort. The other thing I was going to say is that it's such great exposure for those designers, even the ones that didn't win. And we won't ruin too much of the story, although it has been announced that public school won. And I think they're fantastic. But for all those designers who didn't win, this show's given them such great exposure, and I know it's probably a risk. People take a risk to be on television, but this comes across so well, and you really see what everyone puts into it, that I, for me, I think it's just, it must just be a huge success for you all round. Well, they were very nervous at the beginning. I'm sure. <laughs> but it is, it's, I, I think the, the directors were extremely uh, tactful, and it's after, you know, the first half an hour, I think people stopped noticing that they were there. And yeah. um, that's what makes for great television. And I think it is uh, a great resource for young people who are looking to get into fashion to really understand, as you rightly said, the hard work and the dedication and the commitment that it takes. And it is not just about, you know, trying to get 
a fantastic dress on a fantastic actress at the Oscars is a lot more that goes into it than maybe some people understand. And I think that this series really shows that. And it's uh, an initiative that we're all incredibly proud of. And uh, we see the results every single day. Well, I'm looking forward to series two, series three, series four. Can't wait. Talking of hard work and dedication, I now want to go and talk about your philanthropic work. You have raised millions, I will say that. Anna doesn't have to. Anna has raised millions for charity over the last few decades, millions. A lot of that is to do with your work with the Met and the Costume Gala. And um, I would just like to congratulate you to say that the Costume Institute is soon to be called the... Ah, I must get it right. The Anna Winter Costume Centre. That's fantastic and absolutely makes complete sense. Um, talk a little bit to us about the Met and then I want to talk to you more about some of your other charity work. What does the Met mean to you and what does it feel now to have a centre soon to be named after you? I think that's, that's very exciting in life. Uh, well, obviously, it's a, it's a huge uh, honor, and I've been you know, deeply touched by the Met's decision to, to name the center after me, but it's a museum that um, I feel very passionately about, and the Costume Institute is the most remarkable resource for anyone that works in fashion. The archives are absolutely um, extraordinary, and when we reopen in May, you know, obviously they're, they're open for all to see and avail themselves of. And it's the biggest collection, the most in-depth collection in the world. It's an honor and a privilege to work with Andrew Bolton and Harold Cota, the two curators. And um, it's hard to explain the Met. It's like its own city. <laughs> um, it's its own, you enter into it, it it's its own little world and uh, the people there, um, again, care so passionately about what they do and they uh, open their doors every day to, to the public to see the most incredible, incredible works of art. And anything that I can do to help and to make anything more available to more people is obviously so important to me. And the Costume Institute is been of such help to the industry and you know I think everybody within our fashion world uses it as much as they can so I'm thrilled to be part of it. I think um, to support names of the future is one thing but to also preserve the names of the past is also another and if you can do both in your position then that's a wonderful thing to do. I just want to talk now about the Born Free charity that you're hugely involved with. We're going to take a quick look at a clip now before we talk about that. Giving birth is, is an incredible gift. It's, it's the most beautiful thing you can do as a woman, I think. Every mother wants to have a healthy baby. To think that any child is born with any illness is very difficult for mothers. The idea of anything happening to your children is just the biggest fear in your life. The fact that uh, you are born in some geographic location or another should not determine whether you live or die. The whole concept for the launch of Born Free was to involve designers who are mothers. This particular cause, I think, finds a lot of us very close to our hearts. Only women designers to do this. I couldn't be prouder. The fashion industry has a huge history of being involved in the AIDS epidemic. Because we have lost a lot of our colleagues. There is a cure. Just one pill a day can prevent HIV transmission from a mother to a child. It's here, it's available. It's amazing that we can see the end of HIV in our generation.
Okay, so I just want to reiterate, before we talk about the fashion project aspect of that, that I want to reiterate the mission of Born Free Africa is to end mother-to-child transmission of HIV. I didn't know this, but up to 700 children a day are born with HIV, which are transmitted by their mothers. It's a shocking statistic, and I actually didn't even know it. This isn't just in Africa. This is actually all over the world. So your plan with Born Free is to end by the 31st of December 2015, is to end that situation so no children will be born with HIV transmitted from their mother. Am I right? Well, that's the plan. That's the Obviously, plan. we need all of your help to make this, this happen. But what can we do to help? <laughs> well, there is now a pill that if a mother who is HIV um, positive takes, it stops the transmission of the disease to the uh, fetus. Right. So obviously this is a huge development, it's a, a magnificent development and what Born Free is doing is uh, it has clinics all over Africa and what the industry has done is we have approached um, a number of uh, mothers, some of whom you saw in the film who are fashion designers who have children and they are designing a collection that is going to be available on ShopBop. Uh, I think it's from the middle of April. It's a wide... I think it's on launches on Mother's Day. Yes. Uh, I think that the actual the collection is going to be available a little bit before that. Okay. Okay. And all the proceeds of that collection are going to be go directly to the Born Free uh, um, initiative. And um, we are traveling to Africa uh, at the end of this month with Annie Libovitz, the photographer and Leah and uh, hopefully one or two fa women fashion designers to visit the clinics to raise awareness to garner some press we will also be making a documentary about the work that the Born Free Initiative is doing and again just going back to the fashion community you know back in the early 90s when AIDS first um, really started to decimate the fashion industry really they were the among the first to step up and uh, raise money and speak out when a time when when nobody was and i think you know we we really do forget that now that the the, the fashion industry was so brave at a time and so really they were activists at a time when a lot of people were scared of doing so and i think because things are now improved domestically, and because they are such a generous and philanthropic community, they're now turning their attention to, to Africa, where help is still desperately needed. Okay, well everyone, bornfreeafrica.org, and sh it will be on ShopBop. Go, go buy, go help. Okay, that's sadly all we've got time for. I just want to say thank you so much to Anna Winter for coming along today and talking with us. Thank you all so much for coming. See you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.